When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. This is a, a rough cut of uh, one of the new tracks on our new album, Sunspin's new album. Anyway, yeah, it was really fun making the album, and uh, we're still making the album. We've got a lot of great um, musicians uh, adding to the songs, and we're getting harmonies and doing all that stuff now, so it's really fun. The album for Sunspin will come out hopefully in the next couple of months, and there'll be CDs and albums and things available, um, I, I think. You could also go to sunspin.com, and uh, you can get tickets for our show. Um, well, actually, we already did our show, so maybe the next time I'll give you that information. But go to sunspin.com for um, if you want to Zoom me, if you want to get cool merch, uh, sunspin mugs, sunspin hats, also the Inside of You online store, blah, blah, blah. You can get a bunch of merch there. But uh, welcome, Ryan. Thank you for uh, being here with me. I feel uh, like, I'm in, like I'm floating on a cloud. That was very dreamy. What, that song? Yeah. You liked it? Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, oh, I played a, it for you earlier. It's, you like, this, it's a synthy thing. I like the synth, right? Yeah. It's synth. Yeah. It's the synth. We're floaty. It's yeah. floaty. It's floaty. Yeah. I like it, too. It takes me back to the 80s, and that's I sort of want to make songs that are like feel like they're the 80s or the 90s or a little bit of now, but retro, that kind of feel. Uh, thanks for taking the time to be um, to join me, to listen to me to uh, hopefully enjoy this podcast. We've got a great one today. She's never been on the podcast before, but I love her. She was uh, Clark Kent's mom on Smallville, and we got to work together a little bit, and uh, I adore her, Annette O'Toole. She's here today, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Also, if you want to join Patreon, uh, Patreon really helps the podcast. So if you really like it and you want to support the podcast and give back, go to patreon.com slash inside of you, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash inside of you. I'll send you a message after you join. There's different tiers. I send merch. I write little notes. So I thank you. And um, that's really all I have to say. Is there anything else we need to talk about, Ryan? Uh, Ryan, is there anything we need to talk about? Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, now. (laughs) Well, now. Now. Uh, Hey, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, Our handles, by the way, are at Inside of You Podcast on uh, Instagram and Facebook at at, at inside you pod on the mm. Twitter. Mm. Um, it really helps. Um, you know, I've talked about this, but when you follow us, you write a review and keep listening and spread the word. That's that's pretty much. I have to say it every episode, and I'm saying it. I, have to, I say it because you know I'd like people to listen, I'd like more people to listen. I think we have a good show here, and I hope you enjoy it too. So, without further ado, why don't we just get into it? Why don't we get inside of the lovely Annette O'Toole? It's my point of view. Listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. How many podcasts do you do, you think? I've done 
two. This is the second one that I know of. You did Ileana Douglas's. That's not a podcast, is it? It wasn't a podcast? Well, it's a long time ago. Maybe they didn't call it that then. Maybe it was a podcast. Maybe it was. I did that many years ago. It was right after John Hurd died, I remember, because we talked about John. You did a movie with John Hurd. Yeah, Cat People. Cat People. Right. Yeah. Was that where you obviously were close with him? Yeah. You know, I hadn't seen him in a while, but I loved John. We did Cat People. We did an Outer Limits in Vancouver. First time I ever worked in Vancouver. Are we shooting this? I mean, yeah. Are we? We're just we're just talking. Because <laughs> I'll talk more importantly. About no, you don't have to talk filmed. importantly. We're just fun, candid, whatever, yeah. you know? Well, anyway, yeah, I, I adored John. And uh, he went through, he was a very complicated guy. And um, I just always felt really like he was my brother because I never had a brother. and I, But I'm not that close. You right. know, but I, but you felt like you wanted to help him. You yes. wanted to yes. talk to him. What was yes. it about him that was a what, – what, what word did you just use? You said he was a, not complex com- com- but – Complicated. Complicated. Was, there was something really like little lost boy about him. Um, and he's a brilliant guy and, and he just had so much going for him. But he had really a lot of demons. But I remember right. we were in New Orleans doing Cat People. And uh, he had just come out of a, I guess, a marriage or an affair or something with with Margot Kidder or something. I don't know. He was he was not in a good place. Right. And so he was he was drinking a lot. And um, another uh, Frankie Faison, who was a, an actor also in Cat People, he and I had gone out to dinner, and we were on the trolley going back to our hotel, and we saw this guy just like asleep, kind of passed out on the park on the bench. <sighs> And it was, we realized it was John. So he got out, we got, we got him into the trolley, got him, but I don't even know if he was staying at that hotel. And how old is he at this time, at this point? He was like early 30s. And he was just passed 32. out drunk. Yeah, I hate to talk about it, but because I mean, he's gone now and then every, he kind of was very, you know, vocal about his, his demons and issues right. and stuff. But anyway, after that, he got great. He got, he, he got a lot better and he worked and he was, and he was great in that movie. Yeah. In Cat People. We had such a good time together. And um, Do you see that a lot like in your career? Have you seen a lot of, you know, actors or people that you've talked to just kind of go down that path of darkness and drinking and you're like, ah. Uh, there's only one other one I can think of right now who, who I was, you know, I had a, a, not a relationship with, but a working relationship with, uh, Tim McIntyre, who was I don't very know troubled. He was... Um, God, what, he played uh, George Jones when I did Tammy Wynette, the Stand ah, By Your Man thing. Yes. And he was not in good shape. He was a daughter, a son of uh, Jeanette Nolan and Tim McIntyre. Oh. I mean, uh, John McIntyre, who's a great actor. Um, that so, probably says a lot, too, when your dad's an actor. Yeah. And then right right away yeah. you think, oh, following in the footsteps. And Yeah, I don't know. He was he was kind of – and he's also gone. He, he, was, he was passed away a, a while ago. Um, but no, I, I, maybe because I don't look for that. If it's very, very apparent, I, I, I see it and, and, you know, have to deal with it, but it's, uh, I don't know a lot of people who, uh, yeah. who went that way. Did you stay away from that? Have you ever been a drinker? Did you ever get involved in the drugs and the stuff? You seem like you, you wouldn't like knowing I, you, I don't picture it, but I'd love to hear the dirt if you ever did. No, I have no dirt. I, I didn't drink at all for a long time and it never it never, I never liked hard liquor. I never liked the taste of it. Oh, I love the smell of it. My grandfather always drank a big glass of bourbon when he'd come home from, <laughs> from work. And, yeah. and my grandmother would have the ice ready for him. And then she'd pour this huge tumbler of every bourbon. Every night. Yeah, every night. And I stayed with him a lot because my mother was a dance teacher. Right. And so, uh, and my dad was working and he'd come pick me, one of them would come pick me up. But 
I was with them a lot all by myself. And um, that's where I started baking and my whole like home economics side of my life. Uh, but Grampy would come home and I would serve him his drink, get him his slippers, <laughs> and we'd watch the news together. Right. And uh, he was diabetic, so I had to learn how to cook. Uh, how old are you at this point? Then I was really little. I was six or seven. <laughs> six or seven, yeah. giving grandpa's bourbon. Yeah. What a treat. Well, it was from Texas. You know, this is what we did. What did he call you? You had to have a nickname. Nettie. I knew it. See? Yeah, Say I'm, something. Uh, the whole Nettie, get me my bourbon. No, he wasn't like what, that. What was he? No, he was very elegant. He, Nettie? He, no, not like that. <laughs> he wasn't English. He <laughs> wasn't English. Why did I think English? I don't he know. Was just, he was just a great guy. Anyway, so I would give him his drink. And so I always loved the smell of it. And mm. it reminded me of him. But I would drinking it was like drinking turpentine to me. It wasn't until I was doing... Uh, right before Smallville, I was doing this show called uh, The Huntress, and I yes. was the lead of this this cable show, and I was ha starting to have heart palpitations because I was just, I mean, being number one on a, on a our show is is crazy. It's, crazy. I've never worked that hard. And you were and playing a tough hard. role too, right? Yeah. Very active, running around. I was a bounty hunter. Bounty hunter, right. Yeah. And Jordana Spiro was my daughter. We were running all over the place and, and busting people. And um, the, uh, so here's a side sidebar. Right. Um, we'll get back to the alcoholism. Get back. There's no alcoholism. <laughs> I know. I no, know so I finally started drinking wine because my doctor told me you know, for your heart pal palpitation to drink grape juice. And it was so sweet. Somebody said, why don't you just drink a little glass of wine? And it's like, oh. I really love this. Did it's it good. help? Yes. It really helped. Oh my God. So you'd have a glass of wine every night, one glass. Yes. Sometimes more than that. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's all I drink. I don't like hard liquor at all. I've tried. I've tried to drink martinis and stuff. Bleh, I don't like them. Um, there, was I, I do love there was a sidebar. There was a sidebar. Sidebar. Um, yes. Michael and my Michael and Chris Guest and Harry Shearer were doing this acoustic version of, of all their music called Unwigged Unplugged. And right. we were traveling all over with a tiny little mini tour. First time I'd ever done anything like this. And I was the backup singer for like a couple of songs. Right. And I would I was basically Wendy, just kind of traveling on the bus with them and ironing shirts and going out to <laughs> dinner and, you know, and staying up all night. It was so much Is fun. Is that bus stop Wendy? But maybe. <laughs> no, maybe. I don't, That's I don't. a new play I'm going right. to write. But anyway, so I was just having the best time. So we, they, we're playing some, uh, we're, they are playing this Indian casino somewhere in on the East Coast. I can't remember the name of it. Um, you know, every it was packed. Everybody was there to see it. And so Joel McHale is there because I he was I either playing him. another room or he was coming in after us or something. He came to see them because, of course, he loves Spinal Tap like most people. <laughs> and so um, he said, you know, you gave me my first job in L.A. I said, what? He said, The Huntress. I was Quickie the Clown. Michael and I wrote one episode of The Huntress called Springing Tiny, or James Remar, who was in it. We were oh, getting him out James of jail. James Remar. You should have James Remar on your show. You oh know him? God. Are you kidding? Can you hook that up? Yes. Dude, I love Remar. The know Warriors what? and... His, his, we were in 48 Hours together. 48 Hours. So he... Was um, he Gans? Yeah. Did he play Gans? The... I never watched the movies right. I do. You so were I great in that though. Thank you. I don't remember the names of the characters like that. <laughs> so anyway, so... Uh, um, what was I telling you? James Remar. So James Remar, yeah, but but then Joel McHale. Joel McHale, right. So we, anyway. The, the Huntress, the, the, you cast yes, him in The Huntress. Was, right, right. James Remar was in it, right. in the show with me, called, and he was playing Tiny Bellows. So anyway, we Michael and I wrote this episode called Springing Tiny, and 
there was always like this cold open kind of thing where we'd be going out and getting, uh, we were the bounty hunters getting somebody and it wasn't related to the rest of the show. It was just right. this opening thing, teaser kind of thing. So we had this guy who was all painted up like a clown and he was at a kid's party and we were going after him for, for not paying his child support, Jordan and I. So there's a whole thing where I'm like jumping on his back and, and I never saw this man without makeup. He was all, when I came onto the set. He was in full blown, and it turned out to be Joel McHale, and that was his first job. You didn't know. I had no idea, but he wasn't. He wasn't like Joel McHale that we know. Right, handsome. Yeah. He actually took the whole couch. Ryan couldn't. My engineer Ryan here couldn't sit down. <laughs> Joel was sprawled out on the couch, comfortable as hell. We had a great report. He was. He's a great he guy. He is such a nice, really man. special. I can see why people like him. Yeah. He's just a likable guy. We we did something a couple of years ago or a few years ago called a stupid and futile gesture about the life of Doug Kenny. I played Doug Kenny's mother, and that was uh, Will. Forte, and he played Chevy Chase, which was oh, ironic right. since he had <laughs> a lot of experience he worked with Chevy, with Chevy Chase. Yeah, he took, we talked about that. I bet that went viral. Did that, it? He when he talked about Chevy, I think it got like a million hits or oh something. Oh my god! Yeah, it was pretty crazy. He's awesome. I I love him. Did you ever work with Chevy Chase? No, I never met. Did you ever Chevy never Chase? met him? No, no. And it's weird because I I worked with Marty Short and I Steve Martin and that the the, the last my amigo cross my heart yeah and Ma with Martin Short you made out with Martin Short oh my god you had to have sex with well fake sex kind of kind of yeah semi what was that like by the way <laughs> it was fantastic the best thing about that movie was that it it was shot almost like a play because it was mostly just the two of us. And there were some bookend scenes, but it was mostly just the two of us in this apartment. And so we just do it in order, which is so rare. You hardly ever get to shoot anything in, in sequence. Right. And I just adored him. And I just think the world of him. And anytime I see him, it's like just. I'm sure he comes to some of those shows, like when Christopher Guest and Michael McKean, your husband, are playing. He'll show up. I'm sure Steve Martin has showed up. You know, I don't remember seeing those two guys. Really? Yeah, I see them in New York when I'm. Um, uh, Steve Martin wrote this wonderful um, show called Bright Star. He wrote the music for it, and um, Edie. Oh my God, I'm so bad. Married to Paul Simon. Edie Brickell. Mikael. Raquel. Raquel. Brickell. 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 It's yes. a tough name. Well, no, it's not a tough name. And Do you remember the song? The song, her hit songs. Well, I remember one that they wrote for the show that I sang on called "Sun's Gonna Shine Again." Really? Yeah. Sun's gonna shine again. Sun's gonna shine again. Sun's gonna shine again. Sun's gonna shine again. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's a wonderful song. And so anyway, I, I didn't do the show. I did the uh, the workshop of it. Right. Um, and so, but I I'd met Steve a couple of times, and he's he's a very interesting man and he's very sweet. But but Marty is like you know because we had such a he's just out there and, oh, and very he's, he's he's just he's the best. Yeah. And have you watched uh, Only Murders in the Building? Not yet. Oh, it's great. Is it good, Ryan? It's amazing. I loved it. It's really I loved the, it. Yeah. The music in that show. Oh my god, the music is amazing. What kind of music? It's it's it kind of feels like the beginning of you know a, a masterpiece mystery, but then it go. It's very New York sounding uh, and, and urban. It's 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 great. And I'm I'm so sorry that I can't remember the man's name who wrote the music. And I follow him on Twitter. He's got a a long name that I can't pronounce. But I want to get into the music because you really weren't heavily into music until. We'll get into that. I want to get into that with, okay. about Michael and the whole 9-11 attacks and all oh, those God. things come. Well, oh, there was that a, old story. That old story. It's a great story. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's 
so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money it's just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told I me found, i got rocket money okay i found one it i'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on but thank you for finding it <laughs> my god it was embarrassing <laughs> yeah because it's like you want to watch some show and you go oh, i have to subscribe to this uh this streaming uh, whatever mm -hmm. and you you start streaming the show you watch it you leave and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month it's, it is embarrassing Ugh. you know 75 percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about before i started using rocket money i thought i had you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to go back to Houston. Okay. When you Going were kind of. Going back to Houston. Was that a song? Houston. Houston. Yep. <laughs> Going back to Houston Houston, Houston. 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 You got it. That's pretty much the whole song. Was that it? Yeah. You just keep saying that. Mm-hmm. What was it like? I mean. Were your, your were your parents very present in your life? Yes. Well, I'm an only child. Ah, well, there you go. And they desperately wanted children. They couldn't have them for about six or seven years. And they were in the process of, of adopting when my mother finally became pregnant with me. And she said the whole time she was pregnant, she said, I thought it was a dream. I didn't, couldn't believe it was really going to happen. I wanted it so bad. And she said, and then I wanted a girl so badly I knew it was going to be a boy. <laughs> so she got all her wishes without really hoping for them. And I, my mother's still with us, going strong at 96. 96? Yeah, she still dances. She's a tap dancer, was a tap teacher and still dances. She's, she was dancing. You started dancing at three, is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, three years old. I wish somebody would have had me singing or dancing at three years old. My parents didn't believe in me at all. So they didn't, they just like try to get through school. Try not to get too many S, no, U's. Do you remember in school? When I went to school, we had S's mm-hmm. for satisfactory, U's for unsatisfactory, and N st- stood for nada. Nada. <laughs> but I used to get a lot of U's. Michael's behavior is uh, unsatisfactory. Uh, you can understand that, though. Absolutely. I'm off the wall a little bit. Yeah, I kinda... yeah, and you're interesting. And there are Am a lot I? of kids who are really smart and and not interested in what's going on. You know, they're they're bored by, yeah, by it. I think that's what it was. I was really bored. Yeah. Unless I had a really engaging teacher, someone who really took the time mm-hmm. and made the, the course interesting and told stories. And then I was, you know. And then when in, you got, were you, were you into drama? And I started doing drama like late in high school at the end. And mm-hmm. then I finally got into play my senior year and that. But I was always a nervous wreck. I was like, I still am to this day. I still get the nerves. I still get the yeah. anxiety. And it's not fun. I always hated it. I was like, is there a pill that could just take this all away and make me super confident? Like that movie with, uh, what's Lim- his name? Limitless. Limitless. Yeah. He just takes a pill. Oh, and it's, you know, yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. I mean, do you get nerves? Do um, you- oh, yes. Not as I've been doing a lot of theater in the last since Smallville ended. That would give me even more theater because I did a lot of theater, and I yeah. remember that's even harder. Yeah, well, it's just that it's it's so immediate. You know, if you're doing a movie, you can at least go again. But but this is like you're there and you have to come up with it. But I I'm less. It's always an issue, and especially around the first preview. Once the first preview happens, because you get like two or three weeks of previews normally. If you're on Broadway, you get like months. Right. So by that time, it's like, oh, I know how to do this. And uh, and then by the time opening night comes, it's almost like, you know, you've got it down. But um, Laurence Olivier had terrible stage fright. That's yeah, why he's, heard- at the end, he, he didn't do theater anymore. And he had been, you know, that was what he was known for. One of the biggest. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's amazing. It makes you feel good when you hear that he had, you know. He yeah. had, he suffered from that. And a lot of people do, but a lot of people talk about it. And I don't know how much I believe it. Cause I think, well, you have anxiety, but you don't get anxiety like me. Are you the mm-hmm. kind of person who, before you're filming, before you start, before they say action, you're like in your head and you're like, no, never. Cause you never seem like that. I was always, believe it or not, intimidated, but what? always because I had this profound respect for you. Aww. And when you were on set, I was like, it it I don't know if it calmed me, but I was I 
forced myself to be more calm. Oh. I go, I, I want to impress Annette today. Oh. I don't want. But I remember <laughs> saying all these lines and doing this part, and I was just like, I just, you know, Annette's a real actress, and she's done it all, and I, I want to impress her. I remember. Well, I was impressed. I, I was very impressed. I was like, we're fantastic. <laughs> well, and you I and John together, that. especially. John so was just amazing. Great. So, yeah, yeah, John and I are still close. I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, I love him and, you know, we see each other. Yeah, he's the best. We'll get into that. I want to get into that. But like, <laughs> so growing up, you had two parents that just were they always like, I love you. I, whatever you do, you can't go wrong. We, we respect you. We are there for you. Pretty much. God, how did yeah. that feel? That, I mean, I don't understand that. Well, I don't... see, I didn't know anything else. I was lucky because I I desperately wanted a sibling, but but n I really didn't. I really loved being the only one. And I had cousins who lived around the corner from me. So we'd be together all day, and then I'd go home at night and have all the attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and my dad was fantastic because he would come home and um, and – I'd get these little magazines in the mail, you know, um, not, well, I got highlights, but another one, um, God, I can't remember the name of it. There was one called Calling All Girls, which was later, but yeah, before that, oh, oh, Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty that magazine. Was a magazine. I didn't know yeah. that. Did you know that? Well, it's so old. My God, I'm so much older than you guys. No, not um, that much. But it, it, it was great because they would have activities and puzzles and things you'd cut out and construct in this magazine. And I loved it, and I would get it, and my dad would come home, and it's like, he he wouldn't he'd just sit down with me immediately, and do stuff. He was just wow. so hands on. Yeah, and and you know I I don't know if you know I have this lifelong you know obsession with knitting and textiles mm -hmm. and stuff. And he, I started the first thing I got was a little loom, a little potholder loom, like every kid gets. And uh, every kid. Well, you know, a lot of girls get it. Yeah. I don't and I loved it. And then they got me a real like hand loom where that has the warp and you know it has the shuttle and you weave in it. Right. And it came all, you know, all set up for you to make a little scarf. So I did that and once that was done, I I I didn't know how to put it on again. I didn't know how to put the warp on. And my dad, who was an engineer, is a mechanical engineer, didn't know either. There was no internet to find these things out and he didn't have time to go to the library. So he just figured it out. And I remember it being strung all across the living room, these little tiny, almost threads. And because he was just so dedicated to 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 me and helping me do what I wanted to do. And that's yeah. how they always were. Whatever I wanted. I was encouraged in the arts right. because my he he wasn't. But my, my mother um, designed the costumes for – she and her sister owned this big dancing school in, in Houston. And um, – so they'd have a big show every year and they would design the costumes as well as teach the dances and pick out all the music and all that stuff. So you learned probably a lot about costuming and all these other things. Not that much about costuming, but but certainly about putting a show together and music and right. things like that. And dance. And so, but my dad was always there helping, like constructing things that, you know, a background piece they wanted, you know, he'd make it out of, you know, pipe cleaners and whatever, you know, he would just construct. He was always involved in it. And he would love to watch my mother sew. My mother's a great seamstress, and she, he would sit and help her and you know do the patterns with her. They were they were um, they were together from the time they were eleven and twelve. What? Yeah, they lived around the corner from one another. Although he was just a friend, he would just come and hang out at my my mother's house because he just loved my. Well, I hope so. At eleven years old, yes, you I better mean, be there, a friend. Well, it wasn't like you know, right? It, it was just pervy. he was just this kid who. They liked. He was this funny kid who lived around the corner. And then he went off when he was 17. He went off to World War II. He joined the Navy and went off. And he came back. And my mother said he 
he could he was a smoker. She said he his hand was shaking so much he couldn't light a cigarette because he was in the boiler room and they would lock them in during battles and so that they couldn't do anything but shovel coal or do whatever they had to do and there was no escape. So you so anyway, he came home for a little bit and they sent him right back out because the war was still going on. And um, so that's when she decided she was going to marry him. <laughs> and how just, old was she then? She was. Well, she was 16 if he was 17. So they didn't get married till she was 20. She just turned 20. My grandparents did the same thing. They didn't mm -hmm. get married. The same. They knew each other since they were like 14. Yeah. And they ended up getting married. He just passed away two years ago. And she just wow. she seems like lost. I remember you talking about your grandfather a lot. Yeah, he's, he's the best. Yeah, he's the you, biggest role model for me ever. Yeah, I mean, I and, and it reminds me, your father reminded me of my grandfather because he had, when it came to me, he had endless energy. Mm -hmm. He gave me attention like no other yeah. he would be interested in me he wouldn't make me feel stupid he'd make me feel smart he'd explain things to me uh he just he would go out and play ten whatever i wanted to do it was That's... just like oh my god i just loved having but i didn't get to see him a lot yeah. but you had that guy all the time i did i was very very lucky that's brilliant yeah. i really envy that um, and when did he pass 2016 and i was not here i was in edinburgh scotland doing a play and How did you deal with that? It was really hard. It was the last three days. And I, I was going Oof. for three weeks. Edinburgh Festival is this big thing they do every year. And it's mostly comedians and, and music, big mag magic shows and things. But there are some some big um, dramatic plays. And I was doing this play called Hamlet in Bed. It's a two-hander with this wonderful actor named Michael Lawrence who wrote it. And so we had done it at the Rattlestick Theater in New York the year before. And so it was a big deal about doing a, a, a skimmed down version of it because you can only go like not even quite an hour at these shows because they go one after the other in these venues that they have. So uh, my dad was really ill and um, I was going to be gone for three weeks. And it was one of those situations where he could go tomorrow, he could stay another year. We were not really you just, sure. You never know. And he had worked in Scotland. He loved Scotland. And by this time he wasn't as, um, he, 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 He'd had everything wrong with him. He'd had strokes. He'd had cancer. He'd had heart attacks. He had Jesus. pretty much his lungs were. He's on oxygen for the last two years of his life. So you've had a lot of phone calls. You had a lot of phone calls saying, "Hey, you might want to get down here." Uh, yes. <laughs> right. So I anyway, I went because I'd committed to this play and I really wanted to do it. And anyway, so I went. And he, three days before I was done, he he they called me and he had passed. And so um, how do you get through the next three days? I, I, it was, it was hard. M Michael Lawrence said, do you want to leave? And I said, no, he, he, he always, the main thing he taught me was to finish what you start. You know, wow. if you can make a commitment, you honor your commitment. So I thought also he wanted to be buried in Houston and we, this was in it. We, he died in LA. So I knew that it wasn't like I have to get home for the funeral. Right. It was, we'll, we'll get him ready and it, and we'll get him there. You know, it'll, it'll, we'll arrange it all. So I knew it wasn't immediate that I had to be home. So anyway, I, I finished it. I, I somehow did it. And uh, the hardest part was, was the flying home because I had to go through, um, I had to go through, I had to stop somewhere. I can't remember where. Change planes. Yeah, and, and then before I wasn't a direct flight from Edinburgh to. And your mind just London. wasn't there. It was yeah, just I was just like I was just. Like wow, in shock. Yeah, I was bit. in shock. It's... Yeah, yeah. So that was weird, but um, yeah. So that was a tough time. It was tough, but it was everybody has a 
tough time. You know, there's never any one way it goes that it's, <laughs> that's easy. Yeah, I know. So, anyway. Jeez. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Death, I mean, you know, losing my grandpa, that was one of the biggest losses I've ever had. That's sure. truth. Truthfully, that was, but he died of Alzheimer's. So it was a oh, slow, God. slow process. Yeah. And it felt like I was losing bits of him every year. Oh, that's so hard. It was terrible. But you had him a long time. I had time. him a long time. I was very, very lucky. And you want them to live forever. That's right. And, you know, I, I hear his voice. I talk like him sometimes. Yeah. I'll go, you know, he always, uh, Mike, what are you doing? What is this? You're <laughs> such a nut. He would call me a nut. <laughs> What are you doing with this? How old are you? What are you? But um, so and he's in, from Indiana. No, no, no. He's from New York. He's a New Yorker. Yeah, oh. him and my grandmother are from the Bronx. Oh, my whole family is really from New York. And then uh-huh. my my dad got a job transfer oh, you know, when I, I was see. like ten to Indiana. And so I grew up in the Southern Indiana uh-huh. as a Jew, no less. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it wasn't that bad. I mean, there were a couple people in my in my sister when my sister went to high school that would throw a quarter down the hallway. And say fetch it, Jew. But overall, <gasps> what? Overall, I never experienced like I never experienced that. But she did. Oh, is she older? She's older. Oh my! They're like five God. years. I never experienced it. Although, oh, I every once in a while I would get this. I'd get something, and I go, "Well, I'm a Jew." And then they go, "No, shut up." And I go, "No, Rosenbaum. It's Rosenbaum. You're not a Jew." I'm like, "Yeah, I am." They they couldn't. It was like the most incredulous thing that they'd ever heard. Wow. That I was a Jew. Wow. But, you know, I didn't, I don't know, maybe certain people, I don't know. It wasn't as bad as my sister had it. But it wasn't, you know, probably wasn't fun for her. No, my God. You know. But when did you know that, hey, I want to be an actress? I want to, what was it? I was in, uh, doing musical comedy. I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted to be Gwen Verdon, who, I don't know if people know Gwen Verdon is. I don't. Okay. But that's okay. She was an amazing, she was the the first Lola and Damn Yankees. Mm. She, um, she was in Chicago. She was the first, um, is it Velma? Is it Velma? uh, Roxy. She was the first Roxy? Roxy in uh, Chicago. And she was kind of like someone you really yeah, loved. Yeah, she was and... married to Bob Fosse. Ah. Um, if you saw the movie about Bob Fosse that was on a couple of years ago, um, she uh, she's very prominent in that. Anyway, um, that's that. She was my idol, and I, I because I grew up in a dancing school, I just always thought that's what I would do. So we came out to LA, and I was thirteen, and I was doing dancing and studying dancing and stuff. And I got an agent, and they said, you know, you really should. We're sending you out on these, you know, acting interviews. You should take an acting class. So I really had a chip on my shoulder about it. I thought, oh, I don't need that. I just want to sing and dance. And um, I was going to a lot of you know dance auditions and stuff. So um, I, I went to a few acting classes, and it just I didn't didn't speak to me. And then I went to this acting class uh, um, led by Robert Ellenstein, who was a fantastic character actor. He was in North by Northwest with Cary Grant. He's one of the two guys who kidnapped Cary Grant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched that, actually. Yeah, he's the one with the hat. Yep. And uh, not the one who um, is the gardener. 
He's the he's the other one. Right. And I've seen him since in so many things. God, I just saw him. The but other you day loved him. I loved him, and I loved what he was saying and how he was approaching it. And I'm not kidding. As I was sitting there, I thought, I started thinking, this, I want to be an This actress. is what I want to do. Actor. This is what I want to yes. do. Why did I think that this was not? This is amazing, <laughs> and it's a long career. And so I had the an opportunity that that not a lot of actors have to to make a choice. I had gotten I I was about to turn eighteen. Like in the next two weeks, I got a lead dancing role in a in a big show that was going to be at the Amundsen Theater or Dorothy Chandler, one of them, Amundsen, I guess. And uh, and I got an episode of Gunsmoke. Wow. And so Gunsmoke. They, they conflicted. And you did Gunsmoke. And I did. I chose. And my mother said, you've got you've to make the decision. It's your choice. Did your dad chime in like, I like Gunsmoke. I'm a <laughs> fan. Know, I, I think, no, he would never chime in. But I, I think he was pleased with my choice. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I did the Gunsmoke, yeah. And uh, and I, I realized that I've been on two of the longest running shows ever, Gunsmoke and Law & Order. Wow. Also Nash and Bridges. And Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, it's gone 18 years of Nash Bridges yeah. you've done. Yes. You played his wife, right? I played his first wife. His first he wife. He had two wives. Right. I was the first one. Was he fun to work with? He's, What's I his name? I love Don. Don Johnson. Don Johnson, yeah. Oh, my I God. I can remember it, yeah. He was great to work with, really. <laughs> he, Yeah, well, I'd known him a long time. Right. He and my one of my very my boyfriend, Bruno Kirby, who I was with for eight years, they had done a movie together called The Harrod Experiment, um, which is where Don met Melanie through her mother, Tippi Hendred, who was in... Um, the Harrod experiment. So uh, I knew them. I mean, I would go. You're like almost royalty. All well, I just know. You know. I've just been around like, so long. Well, I mean, it's know? just kind of, you know, you've worked with a lot of gems. So I have. I've been really lucky. And and, and I just, I, I'm tickled by it too. You know, I, I just, I, I still, I'm not over the the um, excitement of, of just being part of this world. You that still I, love acting. Oh, I love acting more than I've ever loved acting. Why? I just, <laughs> maybe now that, you know, I, I had my children and they're now off and everything. And so my focus is, is on primarily on my work, you know, Michael too, but he's, he's, he's the same way I am. It's like, we, we can't imagine retiring. And it's nice now because I don't have as much competition for roles. All these other women, you know, decided I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. They bow I don't out. Wanna. Well, yeah, because they're smart. They, they. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say, I want my life. I want to be able to do what I want to do. When I, I want to make an appointment. I want to get a dog. So and you're I can't taking get all the roles. Well, yeah, I am taking all the roles. <laughs> <laughs> all those juicy mother, grandmother roles now. Uh, no, but I'm, I'm really lucky. I'm, I'm on the show that shoots in Vancouver again. I'll, I'll never leave Vancouver. Um, and that's where we did Smallville. Yes. Uh, called Virgin River. Yes. It just, is, it just, it's just, just happening, right? It, it, no, we just finished our fourth season. Fourth season? Yeah. There's so many fucking shows. Did I just say F-bombs? Sorry about that. <gasps> oh, um, you could say F-bombs. I don't really You don't really. To. I've never heard you say an oh, F-bomb. Oh, my God. I say it all the time. Do you I'm, really? I really say, this is ridiculous. I have to stop doing this. Can you say one F-bomb for me? No. I'll bleep it. I'll I'll throw it in somewhere when you least expect Sweet. it. Sweet. That would be great. <laughs> so you're getting roles. You love acting now. Yes. As you've got this rejuvenation of like yeah this what a cool thing and i get to go to new york we have an apartment in new york so i get to go there and they hire us as locals so that's nice because there's a yeah. lot that shoots in new york yeah did you ever experience like i'm sure Sorry. you did being a woman in this industry being hit on being taken advantage of I did, did that happen was, a lot to you I, I maybe i was so stupid i didn't pick up on it i was really really naive 
Really? Yeah. I'd have producers call me at home and say, you want to come to Vegas for the weekend? I'd say, well, can I bring my boyfriend? I'd say that. And they go, no. They'd say, no. That really, I, that just I said, well, why? Negates the whole I, idea. Like, I had no idea <laughs> that really? that's what they were wanting. I just said, oh, they like me. They, they want to put me in a show. You know? You never in your whole career had any feel, moment where you're like, this guy's a perv. I had one. You did? Yes. And I can't say who it is, although can't. he's passed away very recently. It was a director. Right. Who who expected me. I, I was a meeting in a hotel room, and that was not unusual. Right. You'd go to somewhere and meet, because they he was from out of town. They'd go to, you know, they'd have a nice suite or something. You'd go meet them. You know, you've gone to, to casting. Um, couches? N- not no. casting couches. You know, meetings. <laughs> yes. In, because yes. the people are out of town. Right, yeah. And so they have it at the, in, in a room at the hotel. So that I, to me, it wasn't weird. And I knew the person who'd set it up was totally on the level, and- but I walk in and it's like, you know, get, get come over here, you know? Well, you know. It was like, oh my God. And you're like, no, no. The, the thing that upset me most was I thought, oh, he really doesn't want to cast me in this movie. I get right. it. It didn't. It hurts. It, it hurts. It was like, oh, this is what I'm here for. How how dare he? Yeah. And so I told the, the, the person who'd set it up and he, he was shocked. He couldn't believe it. I had it happen to me. Did believe you? it or not, you don't hear about male stories very often. Ooh. I had just moved to New York. I was a young actor. And this guy, he was one of the most important artistic directors at a, I won't say the name of the place. Yeah. Like, uh, not Circle in the Square, not that one, but something like, you know. Okay. And I just met him. We were just talking and laughing. He's like, oh, you know what? You should come with me to this uh, to this dinner tonight. You should absolutely come. And I didn't think anything of it. And I went with him. And um, who are, who is the father? Uh, Jerry's father in Seinfeld. Jerry. Stiller. Uh, Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira. Yeah. They were there. Oh. I ended up dancing with Ann Mira oh for hours. <laughs> and hanging out with Jerry. And just a blast. Oh. And it was like, wow, I'm, I'm a year into New York having the. And, you know, we we left. And we're walking. And my, my house was my apartment where I was staying was right there. And he's like, I go, Oh yeah. If you want to drink or something, you know, whatever, not thinking mm. he was gay. I didn't think that I didn't, I just, this nice guy is yeah. taking me out. Let's have a beer. I don't, I'm like 24. And we went up there and he kind of made a little pass at me mm-hmm. and I go, Oh, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not gay. I mean, some people have thought that too, but I'm not, mm-hmm. um, you know, so sorry, but everything's cool. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, absolutely fine. And we finished a drink, and he never returned any of my calls again, never. And he was like a big wig who like was telling me, oh, there's this part in this, and there's this oh, part in this, man. and there's this. And after he found out that I wasn't, you know, Is he, it? Oh, he just man. completely shut me down. So I know that feeling of going, going oh, I thought he yeah. was going to give me a chance. And if I hadn't accepted it, I'd still have a chance at being maybe a part of the right professional world you know just, but but you just you're not thinking that way yeah because you're just you're, you're my mind wasn't there at all i just wanted to work i wanted right. to act yeah that that could get you emotional i can get you upset pretty pretty yeah. quickly yeah but it was it, you know but like, it, you're lucky it only happened like really once yeah, yeah maybe a couple other times i don't dwell on it <laughs> i, I wasn't aware of i don't think about it and i'm I, now i wish i i had been more more aware of these things, you know, because I hear about these women's stories and they're heartbreaking and horrible. And, right. you know, and I, I just feel so lucky that I just, maybe they just thought, well, she's so stupid. She's not picking up on this. Will we just go to the next person who, 
Right. You know, smarter and, and more aware. Jesus. Oh, God. I tell you. <laughs> Seeing your face right now. <laughs> I'm just, I really, I, it, it's. Well, tell me. No, I, I, just, I, I just felt really, maybe too, because I was uh, raised Catholic and, and very, you know, like this, but, but, but it wasn't even that. It was, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying anything. I hear you. I hear you. When you did a movie like Superman three, mm -hmm. were you thinking I'm going to be, I'm part of this franchise. This is going to be a huge movie. I'm working with all these people. This is going to be great. That kind of feeling. It was really exciting to get to work with Richard Lester and Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, How was that working with Christopher? Reed? He was fantastic. He was so kind because I was coming in. I, I think I, I think they were just really angry with Margot Kidder because she was causing them some grief. I don't know how or why. And she's been the sweetest. You know, she came to Smallville and she yeah. was so sweet. But even then, because I had like a couple of scenes with her that we shot in one day. Wasn't she, easy. And she was incredible. Oh. She was so welcoming. And she was friends with Richard Pryor. And, and she introduced me to him. And he was so kind to me. And just we sat on the set and talked. And he was so sweet. Really? Yeah. What a great moment. Yeah. He was amazing. I remember we were in um, Calgary. And that was Smallville. That was the the Smallville. Always where, Canada. Where, yeah, Canada's always, always. Smallville. Um, and so I was there, and it was all that uh, we're on. It's a parade or something going on. I, I saw the movie one time when it first came out, so I don't remember a lot. But it, 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 we, I was on a like a parade dais kind of thing, and he's up there dressed up like a general, Richard Pryor. Yep. Um, and so in between takes, he would just sat and talked. You just want to know about like just a normal like, guy, fun guy. He was asking me stuff like you're asking me about my family and and my life and and uh, I was getting ready to get married and um, we talked about that. Anyway, he was just lovely. So, um, but Chris Reeve, when I got so I was kind of like a, a um, I, I, they wrote this part of Lana because they didn't have Lois. Lana Lang. Yeah. So I uh, I I got there and I was had just finished doing. A play? I think I would just finish doing. No, I was doing forty-eight hours at the same time. I just finished forty-eight hours, and I, I got on the plane, got over there, and immediately, like, went was taken to to wardrobe, and it was just this whirlwind. I mean, it didn't it even, just happen overnight. Yeah, anywhere, yeah, right. really fast. And met Richard Lester, and and he's like, and I have this first scene, and it's all. But but Chris Reeve invited me to his home, and he was had uh, his wife or his girlfriend, and and uh, two little darling children and had we had dinner and he took me to see simon and garfunkel at wembley stadium wait a minute and you didn't even really know him i didn't know him at all and that and was he just like invite his you way. to this wow yes. gave me food and tickets and you know stuff and then we were oh, shooting at um uh pinewood and he he took me down to the commissary and he said start a tab for her here at the commissary he's like i never went again because you know <laughs> i bring my cheese and crackers from home wow but um he couldn't have been more generous and sweet. And then on the set, and, and so I worked with him mostly as Clark for like weeks. We did all the Clark stuff. Right. And then I was coming to the set, and I was I was a Superman comic fanatic as a kid. I would I would trade the comic books. I love wow. Superman. Love. I wasn't. I wasn't a big Superman really? fan. Believe it. I look at me horror movies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's posters right. yeah anyway oh my god i know um, i yeah. know i know so anyway so the first time i i go on the set and i didn't see him because he they had a separate room for him when he was doing um spelling superman because he I had a lot of different makeup and wig and all that stuff he had to put on and so i didn't see him and and i 
I knew I was going to work with him as Superman. I'd seen him on screen as Superman, you know, but I hadn't. So I'm walking by in the in the we're going to the to the set and the stage is really dark and I, I and I hear this voice say hello Annette and I look to my right and I I look at this it was like looking up a mountain I looked like that and I not I'm not kidding I I started to I, I kind of like stutter and 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 got chills and was, it was it was there with Superman and it he was wasn't dressed Chris. up he was he in was that. in the whole gear and talking about it now I get chills thinking about it. Wow. It was amazing because it was a thing from my childhood and from yes. watching movies and then from knowing him. But it was it was the first time I really felt like I don't know who that is. He wasn't Chris Reed. You know, he was he was talking a yeah. different way. He had a totally different kind of energy about him. Oh, just, I don't think people realize what a great actor he was. He was a great I actor. I mean, Somewhere in Time is one yeah. of my favorite movies. Yeah. You know, he could just really turn it on. Yeah. He had this sweetness, this innate vulnerability to him, right? Oh, he was wonderful. God. Just wonderful. Are, are you someone who gets, do you even think ahead of time, like, this is going to be a hit. This has got to be a hit, right? It's going to be a hit. It's going to be a hit a lot. I, I'm, I'm sure I've done that a lot in my in my past. But then how do you treat sort of like when something comes out and it's not great or it doesn't or it bombs or it? how do you deal with that stuff? It doesn't really affect me anymore. It, maybe early on it did. I'd think, oh, this is going to, but it, all I ever wanted was to continue to work, to do enough work where people knew who I was and not repeat myself. And, and I've been able to do that. Yeah. So, and the, this is also why I don't watch what I do. Because you don't watch what you do no. at all. It depends. Sometimes I do. Like I did, um, I worked, I did three episodes of Kidding with Jim Carrey and, and Frank Langella. Oh, and boy. I watched that because, I love Frank Langella, and I re and I I had missed an opportunity to to work with him early on in my career. I just didn't get this part. I He's came great. down to me and somebody else. And the other girl got it, and I always regret it. And I thought, and so I got just a couple of years ago to work with him on this thing, and also to work with Jim Carrey. You know, it was like so. Exciting. How was he? He was he was great. He's very intense. He is. Everything, yes. I don't know if he's always that way or whether it's this part. But he's not the big, funny, outlandish guy you meet. This he, is... he is when they say get action. That's when it But happens. we were also playing a very, I was playing his mother who had Alzheimer's. Right. And I was in a um, a facility that it, it is all in the 60s. If you if nobody's seen Kidding, you should watch it. It's it's two seasons of amazing work by everybody. Awesome. Everybody's so I good will. in it. It, you would love it. Yeah, I will watch he it. He plays a sort of Mr. Rogers type who's who's going through this terrible crisis in his marriage and in his You've life. seen it? Well, I've seen it uh, because uh, my girlfriend is actually, she's a voice actress and she's uh, this Tara Lipinski's parakeet. Oh my God. She, so she does a lot of swearing as like a parakeet. There's oh like a scene where- God. That's amazing. Where Jim Carrey has to- Amanda. All right, I'm going to watch it. It's or, a brilliant show. Yeah. It's, All right. it's so sad it didn't continue on. Um, but you don't Catherine watch yourself, Keener. though, by the no, way. No, no. so I watch Except that. Except for the but, but I don't. I don't normally watch myself. I, I, if I want to see for some reason, like a little bit of it, but I won't watch the whole thing. Um, because it's just, it. it's never... What you it's want never it to what be. I wanted it to be. Because you're, you don't have control of it. Maybe, you ha maybe they picked a, a take you didn't particularly feel good about. Right. Or they cut it together in a way that's like, oh... Okay. Or you don't like the way you look. You don't or... like the way you look. Yeah, all these different things. So it's the doing of it. I love doing it. I love getting up early and thinking about it and being focused on it and doing it. And 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 oh, it's just 
it's like a puzzle that is so different every time because you you know all the elements are different the director or the in the, yeah. the material and your co co actors and uh, where you are if you're in Canada you know it's it's just I just find it endlessly fascinating because you can prepare and prepare but once you get there it's always a little bit different unpredictable yeah that's what I love about it wow and that's why I love being on on stage too. Because then you have the the live element, you have the yeah, audience immediate who's, response. who's a part of yeah. uh, such such a part of the show. That's amazing. I mean, I I know those actors who that's their mentality. I just want to work. Yeah, I just want to work yeah. and do something and be on set. And I go, I I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be on any set. I don't want to work. I want to make. I want to do everything I can to be on something that I think people will watch. And be like, what do you care if you're just acting? It's all about acting. I go because I don't want to be on a show that's not great. Why, why is that so bad? I want to be on something that's it's really good not, or I would rather not act. It's not bad at all. Everybody's But it's, different. it's a weird mentality that I have. I don't know. I don't want to just – look, if I – knock on wood, but if I was broke, I would do anything. Yeah. I would work at McDonald's. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I go back to working on go-karts, being a mechanic at a go-kart track. But anyway, I love that you – that's how you feel. I love that, that you just wake up and go and how can I make this interesting yeah. and you never – what frustrates you though about filming? What – because there were times – I'd say 99% of the time you were always very excited on set. But there were some points at the end where I think you were like, all right. Yeah. I'm kind of – maybe a little <clears throat> over it. I was very over I think we it. were all over – you know, after yeah. a while. Well, for me it was weird. See, you guys were all there. You, you stayed. You lived there. When right. we were shooting, you were and I, back there and were forth. times I'd go back three three times a week, and like I would ask them each year, I would say, "Is it possible? You know, I go home on the weekends. Is it possible for me to either have Friday or Monday off? My kids were in school. There were all these school events, and every year I'd ask them, and every year I'd be the last up Friday night and the first up Monday morning, and it was like. It just upset you. It, it was just like, you have no, I, you know, it's all about the show. It's all about the schedule. I know that was a crazy schedule. Yeah. I mean, second unit, I never saw a second unit like that. Oh. Where it was just as much, big scenes being done on three second days unit. Of, or two <clears throat> or three know, days of, I know, and I didn't have to be part of that. And I also felt like, well, if the show's short, my scene will be in, my little two, three page scene will be in. And if it's long, that'll be the first thing cut. Because it was always written that way towards the end. And I just thought, why am I here? What's the point? Right. I, I mean, I, it was wonderful <clears throat> money because now I have enough money to do the theater that I want to do. Yeah. It was great, you know, to, to be able to <clears throat> provide for my family. I'm sorry, I got a, I got a fucking frog in my throat. Oh, there's the F-bomb. <laughs> there we go. Yes. I coughed it out. Yeah, we could have edited it, but I'm going to keep your fucking... <laughs> But keep you fucking because I, you know, honestly, you had a blast. I think for a lot of the time, yeah, but it was just towards the end. You were just like, okay, I, I need was it. Just, it was exhausting because yeah. it wasn't interesting work. I'll come and do anything if it's interesting. Right, it just but it got was repetitive. Like, here's your coffee. Uh, you know, here's here, honey. You know, Michael always says, "What did you have to say today?" Oh, Clark, how's your leg? You know, whatever. It was just for some reason. Can we you know, Tom say? loves you. Well, I love Welling Tom. loves I you. He adore Tom. He wanted. He just spent the night for a couple of nights here. We're talking about a new project we're doing, and he's like, "I want to be a Fernette. And I'm like, "Well, she's at 12. Oh, I have to leave at 8:30. Oh. And he was really bummed, but he always loved working with you. He remembers a scene. He always talks about a scene where he wasn't even supposed to tear up or cry, and he got emotional because really? you made him emotional. You were so engaged and so present in the moment. 
that it got him emotionally. He felt like well, that's great. He got that's really what emotional. actors need to do for one another. You know, yeah. to be in it all the time. You were, you, you were always there. I tried to be anyway. I loved working with Glover, and that was so much fun when we were working together. Yeah, you know, and we we'd come up on the plane together and and go home usually together, and uh, you know, it was just it was it was a fun time. Like the first yeah. few years were really fun. Did you audition for it? No, I I came in. I thought you knew this. No, I didn't know anything. I I was doing the Huntress, and so I didn't know anything about it. And the Huntress ended, and I got this call from my agent saying that they wanted to replace Martha Kent. It had been shot. It was a woman named Cynthia Ettinger, right, right, wonderful right. actress. So they sent me the pilot. I saw it, and I loved it because I'm the Superman fanatic. Yeah, and I was I loved it, and then I was like, oh my god, I'm fucked because i uh i love this show and now i have to go to vancouver for but i never expected it to be a hit show like that ever and um when it was it was like oh my god i've got to do this for six years the people stop you in the streets ever yes and throw their arms around me what and say we love this show so much it's the only show i can watch with my family my family we're in terrible crisis about all this other stuff but we sit down and watch smallville together and that made me so happy. I thought then that's worth it to me, to wow. be to be a force for good. Because as an actor, you feel like, oh, I'm just you know doing stuff that makes me happy and it's vain and it's what does it mean to people? And it's like it means something to people. And this show I'm doing now is the same way. I get recognized from it all the time. It's a romantic drama based on romance books. It was the first time Netflix ever went into that genre. Right. And it has become, it's the fourth most streamed show in the world. In the wow. world. Really? Yeah. It's huge. I got to watch this. They, they, well, it's, you know, it's, it's may not be your cup of tea. It's very, very romantic and slow. What are you saying? No, I, I'm saying it's I, incredibly. I can't be romantic. <laughs> you can, but you like horror movies. No, I'm well, just I mean, saying. I mean, I, I watch, I, I could watch anything if it's good. It, it's good. It's well, very well good. done. You're in it. I'll it's check it out. Beautifully... I'm going to watch Kidding for sure. Oh, you've got to watch Kidding. It's beautifully produced, written, acted by wonderful, and Tim Matheson, who I've known for, for mm, 40 something years. Uh, we play opposite one another and we have a great time. Um, and yeah, we're going to. Do another season soon. They've, wow. they've announced it, so I can say it. Netflix is very want you to be very careful. And what's about the show? Say. It's called Virgin River. River. Virgin River. And mm -hmm. where can they find it? Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah. Well, how do you like working for Netflix? They're great. Really? They're great. They uh, they have right of first refusal on everything I do. So anytime I want to do anything, even a play, I have to go. You to have them to ask them and ask them. But they're great. They've never said no. You can't. The only thing I think they would not want me to do is is. Uh, like a another mini series on Showtime or HBO or yes. something. <laughs> not, yeah. not that I've been asked, right? But um, you know that would conflict with them. Where did you meet Michael McKeon? I knew Michael for years and years because we were you know young Hollywood, and we really were, yeah. So you, how how far back did you know him? I knew him when he was doing Laverne and Shirley. Really? Yeah. But you were just friends. You had you didn't we think romantic really, at all. We weren't even really friends. I was with Bruno Kirby. And for, for many years, and Michael was married, he got married very young. And so he, his, his wife, Susan, um, was never, she wasn't a, an actress. She wasn't involved. She, she's very into her horses and that kind of, you know, that world. So, uh, so he, he, when he was, I saw him around, he was always on his own. He was always, um, 
you know, kind of stag. But I'd see him at, you know, Rob Reiner's house at a party. And I was there because, not because of me, because of Bruno. Right. So, and we'd see each other at um, at uh, screenings of, of movies and stuff. So I just saw him and I always thought he was really cute. I loved Laverne and Shirley. I thought oh, they, those guys were amazing and and brilliant and hilarious. And, um, and I saw him one time. I remember he was driving in the valley and I was had just started living in the valley. And um, I saw him and he was with his son. And his son was about five at the time. And I remember we stopped at a light and he was there and I was here. And he, he looked over and I saw him and we saw each other at exactly the same time. And his face lit up. And I thought, oh, he remembers who I am. You know, it was like that was really nice. It made me feel really good. Wow. So then I didn't see him for many, many years. And I was living in Oregon, in Ashland, Oregon. And I was asked to do a Lifetime movie called um, Final Justice. And Ron Silver was supposed to do it. Wonderful actor, Ron Silver. Yeah. And he decided he'd played one too many sleazy lawyers. <laughs> so they asked Michael McKeon to do it. And wow. the next time I saw him was in uh, Portland, Oregon, where we um, where we, we played the uh, uh, um, enemies, adversaries, and we just got to know each other. We were so was, you became friends, really yeah. good friends, before you actually went out. Yes, yes, we were. I was still living in Oregon, but I was on my way back to L.A. I was divorced; had been for a few years, and uh, but I needed to come back to L.A. because the girls were were about to my daughters were about to go into high school and into middle school. They're four right. years apart. So uh, I just, I needed to be back in LA I, I, to, to work. I couldn't do it from Oregon anymore. Yeah. I was now in early 40s and it was just not working out. So um, so he was, Michael was in a relationship and uh, we just stayed in touch. He, we loved the same books and movies and music and he'd call me and say, hey, Elvis Costello's on blah, blah, blah. I'd, I'd turn it on. And it was Jeez. that kind of relationship. But when just, did he call and say, I'd like to take you to dinner? <laughs> He called me, I had a little inkling, right? We would email one another. Right. And I asked him how his, his girlfriend was. And he said, she's in Vancouver. It's just as well. Oh. I thought, uh-oh, oh, trouble in paradise. Else. And didn't, never thought anything about it. I right. had no designs on him in that way. I didn't ever want to get married again. I didn't even want to be in a relationship again. I just wanted to get back to LA, get my girls in school, my parents were, were were coming too, and we were all going to be in Los Angeles, and I was going to kind of start this new chapter of my life, and uh, and so then he, he so after that little email exchange, it was I remember my daughter Anna was had been really sick; she was she had flu or something, and I had her in bed with me. She was like nine, I think, ten. And um, she was burning up, and I wanted to watch her, so I had her in bed with me. So the phone rang; it's like eleven o'clock at night, and it was him. And I said, "Oh, Michael, hi. I, I, I'd love to talk to you, but my, but Anna's really sick, and I'm I, I just can't talk right now." And he said, "Oh, okay. Um, I'll call you. Can I call you tomorrow?" And I thought, "Oh my God, it's that call." And I, I did the thing that you—I've never seen anybody else do in life. When I see it in a movie, I think that's not real. I went into the bathroom because I didn't want to wake her up. She'd finally gone to sleep and I did silent screaming and jumping up and down. What? Because I knew I heard everything in his voice. I knew I would marry him. I knew that we would be together forever. I just knew it. Some would call that psycho. Yeah, but it is psycho. But it's a dream. Like 
But it, you, it wasn't like you didn't know him. It wasn't like you met somebody at a bar and go, that's right. the one. No. It was this is someone different. you knew. I knew him very well and because I worked with him. Wow. I worked with him and I knew how he was in that because you know the actor world, yes. you know to stay away. Well, mm-hmm. you, you haven't always stayed away. No, no, you didn't stay away this time. No, 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 no. no. So <laughs> our first date was going to a uh, Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, Joni Mitchell concert. Oh. They were on tour together, going through all. We we saw them at UCLA. Help me, I think I'm falling. <laughs> she lived right. Well, she lived close to me. Go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. Anyway, it was it was a fantastic night, and um, we ended well we knew we both knew when we were both van morrison was singing have i told you lately which is our song uh we were just holding one another weeping weeping because it was like this moment of uh, this our lives have completely changed came out of the blue for both of us we weren't looking for it it just happened and we needed each other we really did and it's been so much fun it's such how many years now It'll be 23 years married in March, but we've been together 25. Was there a little starstruck you to him, him to you at all? Or was there any, just kind of like, no, like, oh my God, he was in Spinal Tap. Oh my God, he was Laverne. I hadn't seen Spinal Tap. She was in this. I hadn't seen Spinal Tap. You hadn't seen Spinal Tap. No, because Bruno was in Spinal Tap. And that right when we were breaking up was when he was doing Spinal Tap. Uh. So for me, Spinal Tap was like, you know, Mm. I just didn't want to see it. And then it, it got became so popular that I had like, well, I don't want to see, you know. So and then just, you ended up singing with the band. Yeah, I sing with the band. And of course now it's, you know, I, I realize how great it is. And I even think Bruno's great in it, which he is. Um, so, but, but, you know, it was mostly because uh, I just thought he was such a brilliant guy in yeah. general. The way he would talk about everything. He knows you know, he's a celebrity Jeopardy champion. He won a million dollars for a multiple myeloma wow. uh, foundation. He's he's yeah, he's incredibly smart. Yeah. He's also very intimidating. I worked with him on Smallville and right. I loved him, but I was also, I remember when I, I don't know if we, you care. You talk about, you smoke pot still, right? Him? Well, you? I, I don't. But you he, don't. He, he does. He does, yeah. But I remember smoking pot with him in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. You were there. Yeah. We were playing guitar mm-hmm. and I got really high. <laughs> I mean, he must've gave me some really good weed and then I got paranoid and I thought I was making an ass of myself. So I kind of left early and I go, Oh my God, no. I just blew it. McKeon thinks I'm a dud. No, he <laughs> loves you. Michael. Come That's on. how I thought. No, he's intimidating. He's really good. He's really, I think he's just intense because he's always serious about the role. He wants to nail the role. Yeah, he wants yeah. to do. So he's like that. And that's what it was about. It wasn't uh, about, you know what I mean? But I loved mm-hmm. it. I loved it. But I always adored him. Tell me the story quickly about it's 9-11. It's oh. one of the worst time, time moments yeah. in U.S. history. Yeah. And uh, you were trying to, you had to go back to. Well, I was, I, I'd, I'd flown up on, on 9-10 uh, to, to do second unit on the second episode, the one with Dan Loria, the football episode. Right, right, yep. And so uh, the next morning, all hell broke loose. The world completely turned upside down. So I was there and all day I was waiting to be called to, to the set. Finally got called to the set and they came to the to the door, door of my tr- dressing room and said, uh, we're not going to get to you, sorry. And I burst <laughs> into tears. Another thing that when they say on the page, the, she bursts into tears. I had never really known how to do that until that day I, when I burst into tears in front of the poor Sarah, the PA. I remember the, Sarah, the yeah. blonde hair. Yeah. It's very sweet. So I burst into tears, and then it didn't look like they were going to get to it anytime soon. So I called the office, Bob, yep, guy, and said I would like to go home. 
because I was away from my family and I was, I thought, well, they're going to hit LA. If, if they're going to hit LA, I want to be home. Yeah. So I just wanted to get home. And they said, I said, if you're not going to need me, I'm going home. There are no flights. So I took the car that I had been renting and I drove home and I stopped in Reading. That was the only, my only stop. And I got home. They called and they said, we need you tomorrow. I said, you told me I could go home. I was like weeping. I said, I, I... why? And then they said, well, if you're not here, we're going to, that kind of stuff. They started getting really nasty about it. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll, I can't get there tomorrow because I can't get a plane unless you want to charter a flight for me. So I was so mad. So Michael said, I'm coming with you. So I turned around the next morning we left. And drove. Drove all the way back. So somewhere between Portland and Seattle, I got this this weird melody in my head. And it kept going over and over and over in my head. Finally, I said, Michael, do I, am I making this up or is this a song, an old song that he said, oh, I've never heard, you're making that up. He said, let's put, let's put lyrics to it. So we just, he said, potatoes in the paddy wagon. I said, oh, okay, but potato has to be a girl. It can't be just potatoes. Oh, okay. And we wrote the whole song. In the and, car, yeah, on the drive. In the car. And we had nothing Thinking to write with. Thinking nothing's going to happen with yeah, this. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. So we get get there and we finish the song. In fact, I think I went to work the next morning and he finished filling it all in. And like, he didn't have, I, he must have brought his guitar. He brought his guitar because he always, yes, he had his guitar. So he was fooling around with it, f- figuring it out. And he said, you know, I think Chris might like this for a mighty win. Chris Guest. Chris Guest. Because they were in the process of writing all the songs for the movie. So uh, we, we did. We wrote that. And then we, we I can't remember the, the timeline. But anyway, Chris asked Michael to write, if he wanted to write this signature song for Mitch and Mickey. And he said, the only thing, it has to have a kiss in it. There's a kiss, they, whether they're going to kiss, kiss or not. Kiss at the yeah. end of the rainbow. And so Michael said to me, do you want to write this song with me? I have a title already, kiss, A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. And I said, yeah. So I drank two glasses of wine that night. Whoa, he drank, he, he smoked his, his, mm-hmm. his friend. And we sat down and we wrote it. We, we mo- mostly wrote the song. And then we took Jimmy, our beloved dog Jimmy, out for a walk and finished writing the song. And then I took it to Chris, sang it for Chris, and he said, oh, it's beautiful, but it's too, it's it's a real song. It's it's too, it's not, he didn't think it was going to be funny enough. So we went home and wrote another song called Closer Than Tomorrow, which is another wonderful song. But Jamie Lee Curtis happened to be there when we sang it. She said, oh, no, that's the song. It should be a wonderful song. It shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't, it should be a real love song. And we love that song because it's just about us. It's about our story and just kind of how we, we feel about one another. And um, it, 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 and we were nominated for an Academy Award for it, which is really, <laughs> I mean, come on. really crazy. Come really. on. Because of all that. And that score should have been nominated. Every song. Chris wanted every song to be a different type of folk song. Right. And that's what they did. You know, they and, and Eugene and Catherine wrote stuff and uh, – uh, C.J. Vanston, who's the the Spinal Tap guy, yeah. and who, who does all their music for all their movies, um, and traveled with them in, in Unwigged, Unplugged. Oh. Uh, he wrote a sea shanty and didn't have lyrics, so Michael and I wrote the lyrics for that. Jesus! So, so I, I had I had three songs represented. In, three in the movie. songs, mm-hmm. and you had never written a song before, really. I'd written stuff for the kids, just stupid but, yeah. stuff. Yeah, 
So then I started writing in earnest. I started writing a right. lot of a lot of songs, and and we were going to write a musical together, which, you know, is never going to happen because it's is, just too hard. Is Christopher Guest intimidating? He used to be to me, just be, because of what you say. He's just so brilliant, and and you you just think so much of his work and his mm-hmm. his his amazing, you know, these these stories which are so sweet. But when you look at the movies, that's what he's like. He's very sweet. You know, he has a goodness about him yeah. that is not apparent because he's, you know, he doesn't show it right. very much. But he's he's a lovely man, and um, yeah. Um, I forgot the the notes. This we're gonna do this last segment. It's really quick. It's rapid fire. Oh God! This is called shit talking with the Netto Tool. Okay. And these are from patrons, lovable patrons. They're on my Patreon. They support the podcast in many ways. Leanne, what was it like having your husband portray Perry White on Smallville? I noticed the two of you did not have a lot of screen time together during that episode. We had a wonderful time. It was just nice to have him up there with me and being paid to be up there with me, being my fancy man. Um, Yeah, we didn't have a lot to do on set together, but later on we did. There was, they called us both back for a, for an episode, you know, after my, my first stint and uh, anytime I'm with Michael off on screen, I'm very happy. Awesome. Rosie, my question is what is the funniest thing that you have seen happen on the set of Smallville? On the set of Smallville, um, gosh, the first thing that comes to my mind, oh, is that funny? My daughter, Anna, uh, came up and was a cheerleader in the, in the episode where they were doing a lot of cheerleading. Right. And so I just remember being out there with her and, you know, I'm sort of the stage mom. Like, oh, is she okay? Is she, because she wasn't really supposed to be there. She's not Canadian. She wasn't really, <laughs> you know, working like, but she's featured that they were very sweet about featuring her and she did a really good job, but she was in the sun and she didn't have sunblock on. And I was very concerned about her. Her mm. white skin. Very pale is, skin. Well, she's very e- easily burned. So not that's not funny. Funny. <laughs> God, I'm so, it, it, was it, Rosie? Was that Rosie? Right? Rosie, I'm, I want to think of something funny. Oh, my God. I mean, there had, I had to have funny. made you laugh. You ma- like, yeah, oh, of I'm course. I'm sure I made you laugh. You made me laugh I mean, all the about time. nonsense. That's okay. okay. Lisa H. Yes. Well, no, Emily S. What is it like filming on It? Such a classic movie, one of my favorites. I had the most, miniseries. maybe the, next to doing Cross My Heart with with uh, Marty Short, because I did nothing but laugh on that show. Um, it was close to that because it had all these guys. I was the only girl. It was like going to summer camp. I never went to summer camp in, in my real life, but it was what I imagined. But they were all like vying for my attention and they were all really brilliant, funny guys. Um, I'd known John and Richard Thomas, um, forever and we just we just had a ball even who, who, even tim curry i mean because out of out of pennywise you know he yeah. was just one of us it was really fun. so he would talk to you guys and like oh, yeah. he wasn't too serious going hello no 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 god no. Really? we all go out to dinner together we went dancing that was kind of our bonding moment to to, to be this group of people together yeah Kristen k yes not Kristen crew <laughs> Uh, will your character Hope be returning to Virgin River? The answer is the answer is yes for a big season yes. four. Season four, and then we go start season five sometime later this year. I don't know when. This is a little complicated question. I don't know if you could do it rapid fire, but Maya P. Over your career, how have you seen female roles roles evolve, and what would you like to still see? What would you still like to see? Female roles evolve. I like that. That you know, it's funny because I like the idea that women are being these kind of badass. You know, running around this this movie. I don't know the name of it. That um, actress I love, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, did where she's this now she's a hit woman or she's something like that. I love the idea of it, but when I see the trailer, I don't want to see it. 
I just, I, it's not that I want her to be a girl. I want her to do what guys do. But I don't like movies like that at all, I guess. Maybe that's my thing. I'm not a big guy. I know yeah. what you mean. But, but uh, I love that, uh, I love, um, I love movies made by women. This Power of the Dog, Jane Campion's new film. I gotta oh see, my it. I God. see it. God. Yeah, it. It's so great. And I didn't um, like Spencer. Bored as shit. I don't ever like to say not good things about things. I just I, it's like bored. I just I just I, I don't have say to. anything. I can't not. Well, it's good. It's good. I wish I were more honest. I'm, I'm not gonna honest. say terrible. I just was bored. I'm honest at home, but I, I yeah. listen, I think she did a very good job. A very good job. Yeah. Um I I love her. I think I just she's it was fantastic. Yeah. I love I love her very much. And I you know who I really love? Scarlett Johansson. Oh yeah. I adore she's her. I think she's such a good actor. I I hope I answered the question about women's roles. I you know, I I can't I can only really speak for myself. Yeah. No, quickly. How is Nick Nolte to work with? I love Nick Nolte. You love Nick Nolte. That I gruff. Love I love him. Nolte. Favorite line in 48 hours is when he was with Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy's sitting he goes, Jack. Tell me a story. He's like, fuck you, convict. He's like, oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> remember that? I vaguely remember it because I only saw it once when it first came out. Um, I uh, I hit. love Nick Nolte. I had a wonderful time with him, and I, I saw him a few years ago, and, and we had a, a nice- Arnett, how are you? Yeah, Just nice big hug. Uh, awesome. Working with Barry Manilow. Did uh, you sing with Barry? Yes. What did you sing? I was Lola. You were Lola. Yes. So you sang all these songs with I him? I sang Man Wanted. <sighs> Which is this wonderful song, yeah. and uh, it was mostly him singing. I got to sing "Abba Dabba Honeymoon," "Abba Dabba 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 Dabba," said the monkey to the chimp, because um, we our characters meet by going on like name that tune or something, and so I I say something wrong. I say "Abba Dabba 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 Dabba," said the monkey to the shrimp, and so I get kicked off. Then I faint because I haven't eaten. And then he wins the contest and he takes me out to, to dinner or something. And then we decide we're going to audition for the Copacabana show. And was he great? Um, he was fantastic. Barry Manilow. Yes. She worked with Barry Manilow. I did. I loved him. I see. This is on like this Pollyanna. I love pretty much everybody. No, it's good. You're. That's why people like working with you. That's why you. You know. Well, I just appreciate them. Everybody works so hard, and, and everybody's very different. And I. I just enjoy what I do. Well, I love you being here. Oh, thank thank you. you for answering all my questions. Absolutely. This thank has you been really for... fun for me. Me too. Me I too. found out a lot about you that I didn't really know. Oh, good. You know what I mean? Sometimes uh -huh. you have to put the headphones on <laughs> and you have to zone in and go, holy shit, man, Annette, look at this. Oh, well, thank I, you for I having me back. Yeah. I haven't been here in so many years. And so it's, I'm very happy to be back. Well, guys, watch Virgin River yes. season four, Netflix. I'm going to watch it. So you should. And I'm also going to watch that uh, Kidding. Yes. I really got to watch Kidding that. Kidding is wonderful. And because Amanda's the voice of the parrot. If you want to hear a parakeet drop parakeet. some C-bombs, then yeah. Sweet. <laughs> uh, thank you, Annette, for allowing You're me to welcome. be inside of you. And um, you will call James Remar and talk to Michael yes, about being I, on the show? Yes, I, I will have to find... He's, he changed his email address, so I'll have to track him down some other yeah, way. Yeah, I have somebody else who knows him real well who asked me about him coming on the podcast. Well, I'll find I just him. love him. I'll find him. He's awesome. You He's love awesome. Him. All right. I love you. Love you too. Bye. I uh, love talking to her. Um, it was it was groovy having her over the house. Um, I hadn't seen her in a long time. I thought she looked great. Yeah, and uh, she was really sweet. She's a nice nice person. Nice disposition. Yeah. Nice uh, demeanor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Just <laughs> just really friendly. She's really friendly. I really like. Yeah. I hope you like the podcast today i uh, hope you uh, thank you for listening thank you for taking the time to listen um i'm about to read the top tier patrons uh also reminding you if you want to get any cool merch signed autographs lex luther or sign stuff uh tumblers uh, mugs 
from the podcast, go to the Inside of You online store. If you want uh, band stuff, go to sunspin.com, get your Sunspin hat, get your Sunspin mug, pictures, CDs, albums, all that stuff. And um, and if you want to join Patreon to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash inside of you. I will write you a message as soon as I see your message. So I thank you. We're going to read the top tier patrons, Ryan. Okay. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Uh, we'll blitz through them. Nancy D, Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Nico P, Robert B, Jason W, Kristen K. Did I tell you we have new Inside of You socks available what? on the Inside no. of You online store? Well, we do. Inside of You online socks, folks. If you want some socks, go to that Inside of You online store. Raj C. Hi, Raj. Joshua D, CJP, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Ramira, Santiago M, Chad W, Leanne P, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N. Correct. Chris H, Dave H, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Tab of the T, Tom N, Liliana A, Talia M, Betsy D, Chad L, Rochelle, Marion, Meg K, Trav L, Dan. Uh, the man N. All right, Big Stevie W. Angel, uh, of mine. Angel of my. Well, M. Angel of M. Oh, great. Of okay. mine. Okay. Rhiannon C. Corey K. Super Sam Dev Nexon. You got it, Dev Nexon. What's up, Dev Nexon? It's Super Sam. Michelle A. Jeremy C. Andy T. Cody R. Gavinator David C. John B. Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, The C, Joey M, Willie F, David H, Omar I, Design OTG, Eugene and Leah, Chris P, Nikki G, Corey, Nicole, Patricia, Heather L, Jake B, James B, Bobbitt, Joshua B, uh, Tony G, Megan T, Mel S, Orlando C, John B, Caroline R, Rob E, Paul C, Christine S, Sarah S, Eric H, Spring, Jennifer R, Shane R, Emma R, Mark M, and Jeremy V. Jeremy, it's a funny way of spelling it. J-E-R-A-M-I-E. Oh, that's fun. Jeremy Spoken. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, guys, without you guys on the Patreon, I, I really couldn't uh, do the show. You help the podcast more than you possibly know, and thank you. And those of you who want to join Patreon and get your name shouted out, join it. Patreon.com slash inside you. Um, this has been a real treat having Annette O'Toole on the show. Uh, last week we had Jared Padalecki. I think the shows are getting better and better. I hope you stay tuned. I ho hope you stick around. I'm trying to stick around, but I need you to help me stick around. So keep motivating me. Keep appreciating the show. <laughs> keep sending kind messages. Keep uh, spreading the word. And uh, most importantly, be good to yourselves, damn it. Be good to yourselves, and uh, I hope you have a lovely week. From myself, Michael Rosenbaum, here in the Hollywood Hills of California. Basil right there, out here in the Hollywood Hills, California. Right there in that <laughs> camera. <laughs> That's yeah. We lose our minds sometimes. Sometimes. I think I'm losing my mind this time, this time. I'm losing my mind. You know who that is? No. Beastie Boys. Really? Yeah. It's Beastie Boys. Guys, uh, thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. It's a real treat. Uh, you know, it's it's really cool when your colleagues are talking about how much they like your show and uh, fans come up to you and just listeners, not even fans, listeners, people who listen to the show. And uh, it keeps me motivated. It really does. So thank you again. And uh, again, be good to yourselves. I'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. 
welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, do we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.